Welcome to the Disciple Making Leader Podcast, your resource for exploring the world of disciple making and leadership within the church. Discover Jesus' strategy for raising up leaders, growing the church, and multiplying a movement. Let's jump into today's episode and explore the power of a disciple making leader. All right, well, welcome back to the Disciple Making Leaders Podcast. So excited that you're joining us. Uh, This is our third episode, and we're going to be talking today about developing a disciple-making pathway. And you might be saying, well, what does that have to do with raising up disciple-making leaders? And I would say it has everything to do uh, with, with that. And we'll kind of flesh it out. It's super important. Again, you know, it's really easy to go, hey, I want to just make up, I just want to make leaders and and skip some steps along the way and and miss some of the imperatives, some of the things that Jesus was doing along the way that was helping to raise up disciple-making leaders, obviously, that came out of, uh, of a disciple-making process that helped them really become disciple-makers. And then he began to raise them up along that path too as as leaders. So we're going to start with this pathway and joining me today is uh, my good friend. Um, He's a Cubs fan. I'm still trying to figure that out. Hey, 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 hey. And um, and, uh, good good compadre, done a lot of ministry together. My friend Craig Etheridge, he's the senior leader at at Cross... I'm sorry, at Cross Creek Church in uh, in Colleyville, Texas. That's right. That's where you are. And that's where I'm on staff at, too. So I've, I got to get that all right, too. So, um, hey, thanks for joining me, my friend. Hey, thank you, buddy. It's so good to be here. And, uh, man, just hanging out, talking about uh, some really important things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just talking about... Uh, disciple-making leaders. You know, I think in our first episode, we talked about, you know, kind of what that is. Yeah, we defined a definition of of what a disciple-making leader is. Yeah. Yep, we definitely did that. And so we're really now getting into talking about, okay, how how do you make a disciple-making leader and what are the pieces involved in that? So I get really fired up about this. You and I have been banging on this a long time together, not just in theory, uh, and not just in Bible study, even though we have done that, but also just in the practical ins and outs of ministry. You know, we're we're not uh, just pundits talking about this kind of stuff. We're we're in the trenches. We're de- we're dealing with this all the time, and so a lot of the examples that we bring here are things that are fresh on our mind. And you you certainly live this day in and day out. Yeah, yeah. So you know, not only are we practitioners in a church, but I'm also the executive director of Disciple First Ministries, which really does seek to help uh, equip and empower ministry leaders to make and multiply disciples like Jesus. And so, you know, one of the things we've, as we've been pounding it out here, you know, God's really kind of given us an opportunity through training and coaching and resourcing mm-hmm. to uh, to work with leaders across North America. Right. And again, one of what we said from the very beginning in our very first episode is that, you know, we're constantly being asked this question, how do I you know, this is all good, but how do I get more leaders? We right. To that. We're like, listen, it's not that you, you know, if you make disciples, you will always have enough yeah. leaders. So it's right. raising up the right kinds of leaders. And so we, we defined that in, in our first episode, the second episode, we talked about this idea of really going back and saying, hey, you guys, so now you have to define what a disciple is. Right. And you can't skip that step. You, it's very important. And then this next, uh, you know, this next phase, this next step, 
in this disciple making leader uh, movement is really to have a a clear pathway, a spiritual pathway that's intentional and focused at moving people from from lostness to becoming a fully trained disciple, which we see right out of the life of Jesus. So let's let's take a deep dive again into that and kind of you know talk a little bit more about that. And uh, you know I, I think you know one of the things Craig we see a lot is it's it's kind of um, easy for people to get a little bit off track. Um, and, and, you know, okay, so maybe I get a definition, but then, you know, what are the steps then, um, to helping someone then become this 3d disciple or whatever definition of a disciple that they may have that's biblical, simple, but measurable, you know, what are the steps? And, and, and it's easy, maybe a little bit to get off track a little bit, maybe talk a little bit about why is it easy to get off track? And then, and then let's start framing up, so to speak, because I think Jesus was amazingly intentional in this area. Yes. How, how did, what was his intentionality? What did it look like? And let's maybe frame that up in, in some introductory type of things, and then maybe we can drill into each one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Glenn, you know, when I think about leadership, all right, you go get any book from the from the bookstore on leadership, or you download any book and you're listening to audiobooks or something. Um, there's a ton of books on leadership, right? I mean, right. just, uh, just, just so many books on the subject and, and most of them are dealing with things like team building, vision casting, problem solving, you know, metric setting, you know, charting change, change management, all this, all this kind of stuff. And, and you and I read that and, and, and have learned a lot about leadership through that. Um, and trying to apply those things. I remember when I was in business school, I'd spent a lot of time on focusing on those nuances of leadership. And even in this podcast, we're going to talk about uh, some of those elements. Uh, but it is possible for you to be really good at that, all those things, right. and 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 surface and rise up to the top uh, of the leadership uh, structure of your church or organization and never yet have moved down a leadership pathway, right? So what happens is you're you're good at leadership and you're good uh, at all these elements of leadership and you can rise up to the top as being a ministry leader, but you've never really fully developed as a disciple of Jesus in a, in a way that allows you to be a disciple making leader, which is different than just a good leader. Right. And if we're not careful, if we just focus on the pipeline, the leadership pipeline, right. we, we do have a tendency to create these superstar leaders, which is something we talked a little bit about in our first episode. True. So it always has to start with this, this spiritual pathway. Yes. And, and it's where Jesus started his leaders. It's right. where he started these this team of 12, they all started in the same place, which I think is important yep. for us to, th- to really hone in on is none of them skipped through this and, and then just went to leadership. There was a very intentional process that Jesus used some very four what we'd like to call four phases, four steps, mm-hmm. four, uh, four invitations that Jesus gave. And what were those invitations, Craig? Yeah, so uh, the first, we'll just kind of give an overview and then we'll dive into it. You know, the first 
uh, invitation was the come and see invitation, you know, where Jesus is inviting them to kind of explore the claims of Christ, to find answers to their spiritual problems. So this is way early in the process where before they're even really making a commitment, they're in this exploration phase. Okay. And then, then he moves them from this come and see kind of exploration phase to a, a their first big commitment, which was that invitation was follow me. First one, come and see. Second one is follow me. And here they're they're really beginning to connect with Jesus, connect with each other, connect with the mission, the cause of Jesus in, in, with a heightened level of commitment. Yep. Okay. And then the third invitation that Jesus gave was be with me. And this is now an invitation to a deeper training and equipping. And this is really where he's training their leadership skills to begin to lead a movement. And there's going to be a very intentional process of developing them. Uh, this is Jesus leadership development, uh, boot camp, if you will. Um, and then the last phase uh, we call uh, come after me and multiply. And so there's going to be this invitation to come after Jesus and multiply your life in the lives of others. And so those four stages <clears throat> really come right out of the life of Jesus and how he took common ordinary guys at, at, Point number one, and not only develop them into disciples of his, but disciple makers and movement leaders. Right. Right. And so I, I think number one, Glenn, before we kind of dive into the detail of it, is just step back and say Jesus actually had a plan. Right. Jesus actually had a pathway. Right. And many times that is missed by uh, the the ministry leader. I mean, because when you when you read Matthew or you read Mark, it just looks like you know he went here and he went there and he called these people, called those people. It almost reads like in Matthew, like he called the twelve right off the bat. Well, that didn't happen till two years into his ministry yep. uh, timeline. But most people don't know that. Yeah, most right? people don't realize that the twelve that he calls to be apostles that was about two, two and a half years yeah. into his public ministry right. that he does it. Most people just think that her happened, you know, because where it comes in Mark's gospel. Yeah, it comes like, early, early. Early. And you're like, oh, well, hey. And then when you realize, oh, no, that actually was way later. And that was his calling them out to do some leadership development. Right. But that he had been working on them on the on the other side of that to help them have a pathway to get to that place. Right. And so I think because we don't really have a good handle on the chronology of Jesus, and that's an important term, the, what did Jesus do in year one, what did he do in year two and three and so on? We don't really have a very clear picture of the chronology of Jesus. Uh, therefore, we don't really know what these phases are. And uh, honestly, we wouldn't have known that either, right. except uh, early on, many, many years ago, probably over 20 years ago, we got introduced to the Harmony of the Gospels. And so we use a Thomas and Gundry Harmony of the Gospels. I know there are several of them out there, uh, but we began to understand what a Harmony of the Gospel is. And basically, it's synthesizing all four Gospels. Um you can get this, uh, you know, um, you know, on um, on Amazon or whatever. You can just Google those yep. and, and find out all about it. But the uh, this was the Thomas and Gundry one. I think was put together in the early 1960s. But uh, it's a great. They have a couple of different versions: NIV, NAS, and so on. But but really, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're, they're synoptic, sin, S Y N, meaning. Uh, 
the same and optic like synonymous and then optic means to see so synoptic means to see the same and and so you really see these Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're kind of telling the same stories in roughly the same order, even though their order is a little off. Luke is primarily the most chronological of of all of them. And so Luke kind of forms a little bit of the backbone. Matthew is a little more topical in the way he arranges his material. Mark is more focused on the actions of Jesus. So he'll say, and immediately went here and they immediately went there. But in the, and then of course you got John, that line, 90% of John is unique to John, where John is written much later right. and fills in the gaps. And I'm so thankful for John that he did that, right? Because right. God gave him the foresight to say, hey, we need to know a little bit more about the front end. Right. And and then and then John almost half the book of John is is the last week of Jesus, so he really expounds a lot on the back end. So John really fills in the gaps, and so the harmony of the gospel really puts all these four gospels together in a chronological order where you can see what was Jesus doing in in every year and in every even every month of Jesus's ministry and you start to dial in and say oh okay so this happened first then he did this then he did this and the more you we began to study the life of Christ which we've really been at this for a couple of decades now um, we began to see that that the life of Jesus and his ministry could really be broken down into four phases or what you said for invitations, where Jesus is is moving his guys through in a very intentional process uh, to develop them as disciples and then ultimately as ministry and movement leaders. Yeah, yeah. and it's interesting to note you just said movement leaders. It, you know, you study Jesus long enough, two things come start to really emerge. One that he was a disciple maker. And he had a very clear pathway, which we're talking about now. And he started there, right? right? He started along them and he helped them to become from, from untrained to fully trained. And then he began to move them up a leadership pipeline, so to speak, or up a leadership pathway to helping them become movement builders. Right. So Jesus was both a disciple maker and a movement and a movement builder. Right. And he was training his his team, so to speak, to do the very same thing. Uh, and it, wouldn't that make sense? Then that's what the church is is to do as well, right? To to have a, a pathway for making fully trained disciples as well as, and as you push the two together to help then have a, a, a plan to help create a leadership pathway as well. And, and you can't have one without the other. You got to have both in that process, but it starts here. And, you know, we laid out those four simple invitations that Jesus had. Um, how does that play out here at, 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 at our church? Um, you know, what are, how, how have we taken that and kind of shape that uh, here at, at our church? Yeah. You know, I remember the first time you and I sat down and talked about this and I remember on the whiteboard, I drew this vertical axis Right, And we called that the leadership pipeline, and we identified five levels of a leadership pipeline, which Mac Lake and others have done a great job. In fact, right. I was on his uh, podcast, and we had a great discussion about that. Um, 
And Leadership Pipeline is not really a super new concept. I think around the year 2000, the book Leadership Pipeline came out. There's a secular book that companies began to develop. How do we, how do you raise up people in every level of your organization, right? So we, we drew that vertical axis and called that the Leadership Pipeline. And then we drew this horizontal axis and we called that the Discipleship Pathway, right? right. Now, we've been talking about the Discipleship Pathway for a long time. You and I have. I mean, we've been talking about this for probably 20 years. But but seeing these two coming together in kind of an XY axis began to allow us to really see how Jesus was developing his men as disciples and disciple makers, but also as he did that, raising them up in in his leadership pipeline to the highest levels of leadership and movement building. And so to us, we we started looking at it and then we were like, wait a minute, wait, this this is visually helping us understand uh, what we need to be about. Right. And so we've been talking a lot about uh, getting people down the discipleship pathway, but we didn't really talk a whole lot about how we raise them up through the leadership pipeline and the dynamics between the two. So we have at our church, we've, we've really tried to focus on training our, our guys. Mm-hmm. We have a cohort. We just recently uh, spent about several months, I guess, what, six or eight months uh, in this cohort really doubling down on the pathway and the pipeline and helping them understand uh, how these two work together. Right. And then what does it mean to for them to raise up leaders by moving them down the pathway first and then up the pa- pipeline as they go? And um, I don't know if that's clear or not, but that, that's that's what, how we're work what we're working on right now. In fact, we have a meeting. Uh, I think maybe next week where all of our departmental leaders are going to be showing us their pipeline and who is at what stage on the pathway. Right. So this is, this is nuts and bolts for us. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think that's one of the things we've been working on is to identify where are people on the, on the, on the spiritual pathway, yes. the, the disciple making pathway, right. but also now then as they're making their way down, uh, who are we beginning to identify that have, gifts and talents mm-hmm. to lead at certain levels of ministry. And we want to be careful not to push them up too fast, right. but in correspondence with, as they're moving down the pathway, the spiritual pathway, we're also looking for ways to elevate them uh, as they're, as they're moving so that then we're, we're raising them up to become future leaders of leaders, departmental leaders, potentially coming on our staff or organizational leaders, that are, you know, at a really high level. Yes. Um, so, you know, these four phases, we've got some real clear words. We, we say it's the explore phase mm-hmm. is the, is the first one. That's where a person is a, is a spiritual explorer. They're, they're trying to figure out is Jesus who he really is. Right. right? And I think we probably have people in our worlds, friends, family, uh, coworkers, whatever, who are, who are genuinely, searching for truth and they're looking and exploring is Jesus who he says he is. Yes. And in this phase, uh, 
you you see uh, John John one thirty nine is really where we say this phase begins in the in the story of Jesus, where you have John and Andrew listening to John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist is most likely preaching down just north of the Dead Sea, right? He's down in the Judean wilderness. So these Galilean boys have had to travel a ways to get to him, and Peter is also down there with them. Why are they down there? Because they're seeking, right? They're they they've heard this prophet like guy is down there, and so they're attracted to John the Baptist where people were coming out of the woodwork to hear John the Baptist, right? For four, it had been 400 years since they had seen a prophet-like guy like him. And now he's saying, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And they're just so intrigued and drawn to him. And then Jesus comes by and John points him out. This course, after Jesus' baptism, John points him out and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they're like, Whoa, what did he do? That's him, you know, that's that's the Messiah, that's the Christ, that's the guy that John's been pointing him out. And, and so John, the, the later on Apostle John, and, and Andrew peel off from John the Baptist, and they begin to to follow Jesus. And Jesus, of course, asked them, what are you looking for? And they, they had this whole great, beautiful discussion about where you're staying. And they spend the afternoon and whatever Jesus told them, my oh, boy, I wish we had that conversation written Let down. Let me a fly on the wall on that. Oh, uh, no doubt. But whatever he told them, man, they became convinced that Jesus really was who he claimed to be. And then Andrew goes and gets Peter. And that's where he introduces Peter to Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, you're Cephas. I'm going to call you Peter. Uh, and and so they have this encounter. And then they go back up to Galilee. They go back up to their hometown of Bethsaida where they meet Philip, the mm-hmm. guy that they grew up with. That's right. And Jesus meets him and says, follow me. And Philip goes and gets Nathaniel, who's this kind of cynical dude. You know, I kind of picture him like a little Eeyore kind of right. guy, you know, get anything good come out of Nazareth, you know. He's so negative, you know. But, but he has this encounter with Jesus where he goes, you really are the son of God. And that really begins the starting five. You know, those are the, they're all in exploration stage. Right. And, and Jesus allowed them to, to have some time to do that, right? He didn't force them. He just brought them along and he continued to answer their questions. And, and as time was moving, and of course he was continuing to encounter them and to come into contact with them, he kept leaning into those questions and, and, and through the spirit of God, they came to this point of saying, we believe you to be who you say you are. And then that's when, when Jesus invites them to take the next step. And we, that next phase, we would call the connect phase, right? Right. So they went from explorers and exploring the claims of Christ, putting their, now putting their trust and faith. They've crossed over the, the faith line, so to speak. Right. And they've put their trust and faith in him. And now they're in the connect phase. And it's here that's very critical uh, because Everybody needs to go through it, but we're, this is where I think people often get stuck, so to speak, if they stay in it too long. And that can be, it's a, it's, you want to go through the connect phase, but you don't want to be there forever. Right. No, you're right. This connect phase begins in Matthew 418, where they're, Peter and Andrew, James and John are fishing and Jesus walks by the shore. Yeah, we were just there in Israel yep, together last week, and uh, rain and all. That's right; it, it drowned us, but man, we loved it. And he said, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." And 
they left their nets. Now, when you just read that in Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, you're like, oh, well, this is the first time they met. No, they, they've been with Jesus for 18 months, yes. almost a year and a half at this point that they've been following Jesus. They've seen him have a encounter with Nicodemus. They've seen him have an encounter with the woman at the well. They've seen him rejected in Nazareth. They've seen him heal a nobleman's son from Can- in Cana. They've seen all of this. And so now Jesus is raising the commitment level and saying, okay, it's time for you to leave your nets and, and, the, and the comfort of, of, of your life and to make me a priority and to follow him. And so they do, they leave their nets and Jesus begins to lead them on these fishing trips. Well, they, we got this from Dan Spader. You know, Dan talked about he's going to lead them on six fishing trips. They're not fishing for fish. They're fishing for men, but they're, they're observing Jesus, right. but they're, they're together. They're with each other. They're in community. They're identified publicly as the followers of Jesus, Jesus's guys. They're committed to each other and they're beginning to shadow and get involved in the ministry of Jesus. It's interesting. They're, they're not doing a lot. They're doing a lot of watching, though. They are. And a lot of observation. And Jesus is really modeling for them uh, what it means to really have their roots go down deep. And so, and I'm sure that those conversations at night sitting around a campfire must have been pretty darn insane, right? And no just, doubt. Just really challenging them to, you know, to, and, and really beginning to help them, um, yeah, for them to, to really get those deep those roots growing down deep. And we like to say here in the connect phase, like Jesus did, and also here in the church, we want to connect them to Christ. Yes. We want to connect them to the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we think that's really important. Yes, no and doubt. We think that's kind of a lost thing, but it's a biblical thing that I'm I'm connected to the the that that the the church, the local church, and I'm 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 com- I'm giving my life to seeing the local church do what the local church is supposed to do. That's making disciples and making disciples. But then the, the third piece is that they're getting connected to community. Right. Right. And, and you see them. Uh, so, you know, it's that they, they're getting, you know, you see them connect to Christ. They put their trust and their faith in Jesus. You see them getting connected somewhat to this church. They, they're, they're being a part of something that's bigger than themselves. Right. And they're getting connected in community. They're doing life with one another. I mean, they're doing Camping a lot out of life. Camping together, Camping walking out, together. Walking. Um, they're spending a lot of time together. Yeah. And then the, you know, then they get, and then the last piece is he wants to connect them to a cause. Yeah. And then that's when he starts doing these mission. I mean, they're doing these fishing trips and they're beginning to see this all taking place and they're beginning to watch Jesus do what he is going to release them ultimately to do at some point down the line. Uh, But they've, they can't say that they don't know what to do because they've been watching him do it and, and, and seeing all that's going on in the midst of that. Yeah. They're participating. Right. Yeah. That's it. They're, they're participating. And this is really from a, from a church standpoint, let's just kind of bounce over to, okay, what does that look like in a church? Uh, Yeah. We need to have, we need to be engaging explorers, people that are far from God. We need to be doing that in a substantial way, helping them cross the faith line. But when they do, we need to be able to help them connect, connect with Jesus publicly, a profession of faith, connect with that through baptism, 
We need to help them connect with our a church family. We need to help them connect in community, whether that be, we call them connect groups at our church because yep. uh, that's in the connect phase. You know, we kind of keep things on the lower level you know, around here. Um, and, and we help people connect and serving, you know, within the body of the church. These are, this is an important step. And, and I find, Glenn, some people, they don't really complete this step. You know, some of them, they, 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 they came to Christ, they got baptized, they don't really come to church that often. They never really got in a group. They never really started, never really started serving. And, and so they, they kind of get, like you said, they get stuck, stuck there. They're not fully, they've not fully grown in this area. So they really can't move forward. Right. Right. And so a lot of church members are stuck right here. They're auditing the church service. They're coming sporadically. They're not in a group. They're not really serving. Probably everyone listening to this podcast has got a, a, a substantial number of people in their church that are simply stuck right here. Yeah. Well, and I think this is an epidemic problem on two fronts. I think most churches stop right here because they say, hey, if fully trained. In some ways, we've said a fully trained disciple is one who gets to the connect phase, and then we start pushing them into leadership, right? Yeah. So if you just show up, you know, if you can fog a mirror, you know, you just show up and give a little bit, then that's it. For That's all we have to offer you. And that's certainly not what Jesus did. And then we start shoving them into leaders, leadership positions, and, and that's all they know. Right. And then, and because they are still wrestling with, with a lot internally, right? I mean, the flesh can come out easily and it's easy to get caught. I mean, and, and we wonder why our churches are in a epidemic, cataclysmic meltdown, so to speak. I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer again, but I mean, it's like, hey, I mean, what do, yeah. what do we expect? Right? Right. I mean, if we stop the process at Connect, because that's not what Jesus had. I mean, there was still, but, but and then we start taking these people and we start moving them up into leadership, heavy pieces of leadership. Uh, you know, our good friend, Dan, used to always say, you're only going to reproduce what you are. That's right. So That's right. if we have keep raising up leaders who are only at the connect phase, we are only going to have a connect church. Yep. And that's the recipe that I think has been brewing in the church in North America. And that's why we've somewhat gotten gotten where we are at and we've and we're a bit in a mission drift. This this third phase, which is I, I would say most churches across the country. Now I I would say probably churches internationally are doing much better at this than we are doing yeah. here in North America. Oh, you're right. Uh, I know very few churches that do uh, phases three and four really well uh, or even have something happening in those three phases or those last two phases. So the third phase is what we, we call here the grow phase. Um, but it's a, it's a really, it's a, it's a developmental phase. We, we like to say the connect phase is focused on growth, right? right. You're, you're growing, right? Because right. right. there is somewhat about, Hey, this is about me, but, but we're also then wanting to turn them in a different direction towards others. And it's this development phase, this third phase, this grow phase where we're trying to help them now develop the character and the competencies of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I like to call it the grow up phase. You know, you're no longer in the, uh, in the high chair being fed. Um, You're no longer, you know, kind of fixate on yourself and your own personal spiritual development, but now you're, you're being grow up, feed yourself, there high levels of accountability, high levels of of um, 
uh, of effort being put in here. Um, and, and you are, you're in an environment, usually it's a small group of people that are going to train and equip you in the character of Jesus and the competencies of Jesus so that you can then multiply your life. And, uh, I, like you said, a lot of churches are just kind of missing this whole phase, right? They're moving people too quickly up into leadership, but they've never really been trained on how to pray. Right or how to spend time in God's word on their own, or how to share their faith, or how to disciple and raise up other people. And listen, if you can't do that personally, then why are you leading an organization that's supposed to be doing that, right? You wouldn't do that in your business, right? right? But but we do this all the time in the church. And so it's really important that people are move into this phase. So this is what you might call, you know, a discipleship group, a D group or something like that. You know, this is what people usually think of when they think of discipleship, right? Is this, this high accountability, high commitment uh, environment, but it is necessary uh, to growing. It's the incubator for growing spiritual character and also developing competencies that help you walk with God. And listen, we wouldn't want to, we wouldn't want people leading at a high level that haven't mastered these fundamentals. Right. Right. But it happens, Glenn. All the time. All the time. And so you actually, you know, you're there when you talk to leaders. They're already at the top of the leadership organization and they're resisting discipling anybody. Well, why would that be? You know, that would make, make no sense that you're you're a pastor and you're leading at this high level and you don't want to invest in anybody. Why is that? Well, it's probably because they've never been through that process themselves. Themselves. Yeah. And, and and so it becomes the normative versus, hey, the, the normative is is the whole thing versus, hey, I'm I'm stuck here and. And, and, and so the church gets stuck and stagnant and yep. we wonder why the church is in decline right. is because it's, it's, it's all about me and, right. and you get left in, we, we like to call chair two. If you're left in there for too long, it becomes the bark, bark lounger, right? Yeah, that, that's that, right. The easy chair, right? And that's you right. Know, park your feet and, and, uh, and, and I think we can all say hey we've we've seen the the devastating effects that that can happen on the individual as well as the church and and the truth is is sometimes we have elders and deacons and and such that are serving in in leadership capacities uh small group leaders who are very much in phase 2 but there's nothing wrong with that but we're asking them to outpace and outdo where they are in the spiritual growth. And so when conflict happens or hardships happen or suffering or difficulties come along, it impacts their ability to lead as a disciple making leader. No doubt. Because it's in that training phase where they're actually really getting the, um, the skills and the tools and the things necessary to do the work of, of, of real ministry. Yeah. And a lot of times we'll, we'll challenge people, Hey, you need to get out there and be radical and invest your life and, you know, go on mission or whatever. And that those, those are great things. But I remember a lady in our church early on when I first came here, very capable businesswoman, um, wanted to serve Jesus and she, she said, okay, I'm going to do something radical. And so she kind of quits her job and she moves off on the mission field somewhere. And she was only there about a year and then came back and you're trying to figure out what happened. But she had never really been through this 
third phase. She never really been trained as a disciple on how to feed herself, how to develop her prayer life, how to share her faith, how to do the basic fundamental things. And and then she jets off in, into in, into trying to to live on the mission, and she's just not prepared for that. Right. You know, it's almost like going off in the battlefield, and you never went through basic training right. of how to use your weapon. You know, you would never do that in the army, right? right. You, you train, 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 train before they ever deploy. And yet, we're sometimes we either are keeping people in the high chair, or we're deploying people out too soon, without really having this third stage, this growth phase this training and equipping where they really learn how to walk with God. They really learn how to uh, reach their world. They really learn how to invest in a few. And and then once they've got that down, then we can move on to the next phase and we can move up the leadership pipeline. It's interesting you say that because like in the, in that second stage, that connect phase that it really is intended to help you know, give them a vision for being a world changer, right? They right. they get motivated. It it's kind of like this greenhouse, and you have this great desire. But if we don't teach them how to execute uh, with with good character and and great skill, then then they come shooting down like a rocket, and they they have fallout. Yeah. And and that goes back to this whole superstar idea too. That sometimes this can happen. And, uh, and, and, and can be devastating to the church. Now the, so we have, you know, we're talking about this pathway. The first one was explore. It's untrained people to helping them become fully trained. And then they move from explorers. They put their trust and faith in Christ to the connect phase. And then they're invited after they've, you know, completed those, those pieces of that connect phase to be invited into this, this grow phase, mm-hmm. uh, where we're helping them to train them in the character and the competencies of Jesus. And then this last phase we call the multiplication phase. Right. Um, let's, let's talk a bit about that. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, in Jesus's ministry, this happens in Luke nine twenty three. This is now about nine months left of Jesus's ministry. He's up there at Caesarea Philippi where he's he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Peter makes that great declaration. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. On this rock, I'll build my church, Jesus talks about. And then not too long, six days later, he he's on the Mount of Transfiguration. I believe that was Mount Hermon. You know, that's debatable. But uh, here, where he's starting to now think about what's ahead of him. And really, he and me, he encounters Moses and Elijah up there, you know, on the right, Mount of Transfiguration. Right. And they're talking about his departure. He, he's really thinking about the cross. And after that, he tells his disciples, if anyone would come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So Jesus really begins to fixate now on the cross. Three different times, he's going to clearly tell them, I'm going to suffer at the hands of the chief priests, teachers of law. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise again on the third day. You mean no metaphor, no simile, just straight off. This is what's going to happen. Three times he's going to tell him that. For the next nine months, he is going to be fixated on the cross. But at the same time, he's also uh, fixating on multiplication. And the 12 disciples begin to multiply to 72. It's interesting. When you go back and look at the book of Acts, I mean, in the book of Luke, in Luke 8, verse 1, Jesus goes out with his disciples. That's part of the training phase. That's phase three right? And and they're watching him one more time, do it. In Luke 9, verse 1, Jesus sends them out two by two on their own, and they right. come back and report. But in Luke 10, verse 1, now the 12 have multiplied to 72 that are going out. 
Right. And, and, and when they come back and report all that's happening, it says in verse 21 that Jesus is filled with joy, mm. right? Because the multiplication is happening. Mm. And so it's in this phase that Jesus makes that great statement, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it multiplies to many seeds. Mm. So there's this idea of, of multiplication uh, it begins to be uh, on the forefront of his mind. And uh, in this phase, what we're thinking about is, okay, now that you've been trained, are you multiplying your life in the lives of others? Are you investing your lives in those that will invest your lives in those that will invest in life in others? That's the multiplication phase. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've, we've really kind of taken a really a hard look at this idea of developing a, a spiritual pathway or a disciple-making pathway and the, the absolute importance of having this in place, the imperative of having this in place, uh, but then it bumping up against your, your pipeline as you're moving up. And so that, that's going to be this trajectory and all of what we're going to be talking about in our coming podcast down the line right. um, in episodes on, on those. But it's just absolutely, absolutely important for church leaders not to skip this pathway at all. They've got to have that in place. It makes me think about, I, I know you and I've talked about this, the, the article that we read about Billy Graham. Right. Yeah. You know, and he was asked, yeah. you know, toward the latter part of his ministry, hey, if you were a pastor in a local church in a large city, how do you think that you might, you might pastor that church? And, and I just, every time I think about it, I think, wow, what a, what a revelation. This is a guy who built his entire ministry on the crowds, right? That's right. And, and, and again, just so grateful for it. But he said this. He said, if I were the pastor in a local church, I guess I'd do what Jesus did. Well, <laughs> go figure there, right? He said, I'd probably get, you know, maybe a handful of men. Mm-hmm. I would pour my life into them. I would teach them everything and equip them with everything that I know, how to, how to, how to meet with God, how to pray, read their Bible, the, just the, 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 the basic patterns of consistently meeting and abiding and remaining with, with the Father. Then I would teach them how to, to, to reach the lost around them and, and train them to do that well and then to go out and to do it right together. And then I would then help them learn to invest their lives in other people. And then at the end of that time with them, I'd release them to do ministry. Yeah. I mean, he said that. He did. And, and then he says this, he said, I know of very few churches that are doing it. Yeah. But the ones that are, they're changing the world. Mm. I'm going to tell you, when I read that article, it floored me. Yeah. Because again, like I said, this is a guy who's built his ministry on that explore phase, which has been powerful, but saying, hey, look, the church has to get back to doing it Jesus way. Yeah. And, and there's a path, there's, a, there's an intentional focused pathway to moving people from untrained to fully trained. So, you know, how, how do you, Craig, believe that the pathway can change uh, these ministry leaders, churches for good. Yeah, I just think that uh, if Jesus had an intentional plan and if Jesus said, follow me, which was always the invitation of Jesus, 24 times, akalotheo is the Greek word, follow, put your feet in my footsteps. I mean, just follow after me, do it as I do. Uh, if anyone claims to live in Christ, he must walk as Jesus walked, right? First John 2, 6. So 
if that's if that's the calling, then how can we say we're going to do something different than what Jesus did? Right. If Jesus called us to follow His example, and and He moved people through these phases, then this is the mandate for us. This becomes the the uh, the the roadmap, if you will, for successful ministry. And that includes exploration, connecting new believers, growing up disciples, and then multiplying discipleship leaders and movement builders. That is how it's done. And so in our church, we take this very seriously. Everything gets, everything gets evaluated against the pathway. All our ministries get, we plot everything and say, what what stage is it in? Is it working? What needs to change? Uh, we make sure that our ministries fit this. Um, we track this with our own folks as best we can. What, Where are they in the pathway? Who needs to take a next step? As we're developing leaders, we say, okay, before we move them up in leadership, where are they on the pathway? Where do I need to develop them and disciple them? And, and so this is now on the forefront of our conversation. And it's no longer just theory. It's, it's, it's now getting hardwired into how we do leadership development. Yeah. And what that's going to allow us to do is not inadvertently move people into leadership positions too early, but be sure that we've discipled them well and they've mastered these skills of walking with God before we ever put them, you know, in leadership positions uh, in the church. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you for spending some time with me again today, my yeah. friend, and uh, talking about this subject of making and multiplying disciples as we talk about even really our focus is really this disciple making leaders podcast is really built on this idea of raising up leaders who really are disciple makers. Uh, and one of the ways we start that process, as we talked about, is we got to start them through a pathway. Yeah. And now what we're going to focus on in our upcoming episodes is this idea of, of the pipeline and now that we're going to put the two together, and it's going to be fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we talk about that uh, over the next several podcasts. So, again, thank you. Uh, if you have any questions, if you've been listening to this podcast today or the others, uh, please uh, go on to disciplefirst.com. You can uh, get any of our information, any help that you might need. We'd love to uh, come alongside and help to e- equip and empower you to make and multiply disciples like Jesus. And again, don't uh, don't hesitate to, to, to purchase the book, The Disciple-Making Leader. You can do that on Amazon, or you can go to our website to get it on one of those two places, and I think it will be a real benefit to you as uh, you're meeting with us to talk about this very important thing. Thanks again, Craig, and uh, we'll look forward to having a another podcast real soon. All right, buddy. God bless. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Disciple Making Leader podcast brought to you by Disciple First. We hope today's episode has been both helpful and challenging in your journey to becoming a disciple making leader. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to make sure you hear the next episode. And if you have a moment, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, keep making Jesus the model for your life and ministry.